contributing that way. Well, good evening. Uh, we're in the second of three messages that we're going to hear, um, which is covering the topic of worship. And um, it's in that new series that we're focusing on at the moment in looking at the church and what the church should be. And um, tonight we're going to try and understand or achieve why we're here. What is it that we come for? And some of the things that we should perhaps look at while we're here. We're just going to have a brief look at a video if we can do that now. That'd be great. You can't stop it. It's coming to a town near you. It used to be called contemporary. Some call it relevant. We're so cool, we call it contemporant. Young hip guy welcoming all with graffiti and cool glasses. I welcome everybody with arms wide open, revealing my tattoo so you know I have a past. Quirky transition to band. Invite everyone to stand. Let's do it. This is the song that everyone knows. It's the song that everyone knows. My new song. just want to invite the ushers up as we prepare for our offering. Hmm. Feel free to give if you feel led. It's between you and God, but we're tracking it. all the answers. Showing a picture of a puppy and or a baby from an impoverished third world nation. Speaking softly to draw you in. And then emphatically driving home my point. Long pause. Whispering. Repetition. Still pausing. Pained expression. Long prayer so that the worship leader can get back on stage. church you will be lifted high and challenged to grow we call that grotivation you call this sunday morning why are we laughing i've actually been in churches where all of that has happened 
And I think that's why we laugh, because we know that in a way it's true. And yes, I, I was in a church, it is in Brisbane, where the worship team got up and did a song and then they paused and said, you can buy our CD in the foyer, it's available today. It's like, what are we doing here? I mean, seriously, seriously. And that's the question we need to ask tonight. This video, it's funny, because quite sadly... That's what a lot of worship has become. And it's incredibly predictable. And for a lot of people, when they come into church and they face the worship service, they brainlessly go through the beginning and the middle bit. And what's really sad is me and about 13 other people from my former church went to the worship um, subject at Malion Bible College. And Peter Sweetman, sorry, John Sweetman got up and said, I'm going to write down how your service runs, what your worship service looks like. And we had people from many denominations. We were about 60% Baptist. The rest came from different denominations. And he actually wrote an order of service on the whiteboard. He said, now tell me if your order of service is different to this. And there was no one in the room who had a different order of service. And that's what our worship services have been reduced to. We keep doing what we're doing because we've always done it that way. And we come in and we just have the same expectations for the same things to happen. We go through that start, we get to the middle. But then, of course, you come to the bit where the message is given, hey. And then if it's someone like Charlie that's up here, well, you're totally engaged with the message, aren't you? You're just hanging off the edge of your seats waiting for the next incredible revelation to drop not really hey because the first part of the service has just been so predictable you're sitting there now trying to stay awake while I'm speaking and so many people do not off trust me when you're up here you see it you know who's going to go to sleep but the truth is we sit here and we battle boredom we seek something that's applicable to us and there's people wondering right now if you give into that 20 minute power nap so you can wake up just as i give the application and you'll be able to get the major crux of the message and then you'll be able to move on to the most important thing about church socializing and eating enjoying other people's companies and the thing is i believe god expects so much more from us I believe he wants to give us so much more. So let's pause and pray, and then uh, hopefully I'll be able to give you a couple of things that uh, we may be able to apply. Father God, thank you so much for your presence here with us this evening, Lord. I thank you that Holy Spirit moves freely amongst us. Father, I pray that you give us open hearts, open minds to hear from you this evening. I pray that you challenge us, Lord, on how we should approach this place when we come to worship, honour, and glorify your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we spent a little bit of time talking about uh, what worship should look like in a church situation and things like that. So we move to this this evening. This is what happens when we're actually at church in this place on a Sunday. And when we consider this subject of worship, I, I want us to keep in mind... I should turn this on, shouldn't I? It works better turned on. There we go. I should keep in mind... I want you to keep in mind, sorry, that we 
are all part of this body. Each of us are individual members, but we're all part of the same body in Christ. And the reason that I want you to keep this in the back of your mind as we go through this is that we give our lives to Christ. And when we do that, we become part of the universal body of Christ, which is his church. And then you've heard the application as to why we believe that you also need to become members of the local church and identify with the local church in such a way that you are calling this place your home. And the thing is, each of us have a role and a function in the body of Christ. And I've mentioned it many times that you're the only person who can carry out that role and function within this body here at Sunnybank District. And we would love the opportunity to help you find what that role is. There's some people here who are really quirky. They set my teeth on edge. But you know what? They have a role and function here that I can't do because I'm not like that. There's people here who are integrated and mixing with others in the community who I will never even get close to. I mean, classic examples, that Nathan Lanky fella. I mean, he rides BMXs. I don't. But he has this hub of people that he's interacting with and speaking with, and he is proclaiming the gospel to them, I can assure you. And that is why the body is so diverse. That's why we need to value each and every person who comes along. And you know what? I think the problems that we have within our church community, a lot of them are because people focus too much upon themselves. It's about what I want when I come to church. And if I don't get what I want, you know what? I'm going to be incredibly vocal about it. I'm going to tell them how bad they are. I'm going to tell them how they should be serving me. I'm going to tell them about what they need to change so I get what I want. And they believe it's all about them and what they should receive. Let's think about that passage that was read out in 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 33. And just this first section. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things, all things, be done for building up. When we gather as a church family, this passage of Scripture tells us that everything that we do should be done for building each other up. Everything that we do should be edifying. Everything we do should be encouraging. Is that true for you when you come into this place? How you interact here at church affects the entire body. It affects our witness to our community. It affects how strong we are leading into the week that we're about to face. It affects the witness that we have to each and every person who comes. And each of us are individuals, but I firmly believe that each of us have that something special to contribute. But as we know from this passage of Scripture, those special giftings that we have, we have to use them in a fashion that is orderly and edifying and uplifting. And the idea that each of us contribute is further emphasised in the way that this sentence is constructed. Do you notice that it says... Each one has a hymn. Each one has a hymn. The implication is obvious. Every person who walks through these doors, who calls Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, has something to contribute to the wider body. It could be one of the things that's listed in this passage. It could be something totally different. But what we're talking about 
is something that we have gained as a result of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual gift. It is a work of Holy Spirit in your life that has been given to you. And each of us, I believe, who call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior has these spiritual gifts. Each of us can use them for his glory, primarily here in this place. And again, if you don't know your spiritual gifting, give us the opportunity to help you find what that spiritual gift is. And so there's no misunderstanding. Paul says quite clearly here that the church can gather and sing hymns, learn from someone's teaching, be encouraged by revelation, and also have someone speak in tongues if there's someone here to interpret what they say. But this is not without restriction. Paul says quite clearly that everything that is done in these gatherings or services must be done with the view of building up the church. That's foundational. It's primarily. Not only that, we can see that as Paul continues to speak, he's laying out how these meetings or coming together should be carried out. And they're well ordered. And they are to encourage those who attend. Don't let more than two or perhaps three people speaking a tongue. That's what we heard. And not all together. They must speak in an orderly fashion. They may take their turns. Then allow that to be interpreted. And you know what? If there's no interpreter, well, don't talk in that tongue. Don't allow the person to speak. If you did, how's the church going to be built up? It's simply not possible. When people come to prophesy or proclaim God's word, only two or three are to do that. And what they say is to be weighed against the available scriptures and what Jesus has said in those days. And keep in mind that these people are aware that there's others trying to infiltrate the church and provide teaching which is, it has an appearance of truth. And it's just slightly skewed. And so this is what is spoken against when it says here to weigh these words. There's those who would say whether what was being preached was accurate or not. And we are warned again and again in scripture about wolves in sheep's clothing. And we are called to worship God. But why should we? Why worship? You know, I believe that we are created, each and every human, to worship God. I believe it's a part of us. It's, it's, it's part of when we're first knitted together. And when we think about worshipping God, I know there's this element of thinking that God must be pretty egotistical. He must be quite vain, really, if he created us just to worship him. But he doesn't demand us to worship him. He longs for it. He desires it. And he's created us for it. And the question is, do we worship? In actual fact, that's not the right question. The right question is, who or what do we worship? Think about many of your non-Christian friends. If you were to have this conversation with them and said, I believe that you worship, I'm sure you'd get a bit of pushback from that, wouldn't you? Yeah? Three people would. That's good. And the thing is, this is such a foreign idea to people because they don't understand what worship is. But have you ever been to a sporting event with one of your non-Christian friends? Yeah? Have you seen how they engage so passionately with their favourite team? Have you seen how they do things that are so radically different 
to what they would normally do because they really love this team. They will get on their feet. They will scream. They will shake their fists. They will yell at the umpires. They'll do all sorts of things that indicate their love for that team that they're supporting. Let's not go with rock concerts, but oh my goodness. Do people get crazy at those things? What's the longest people have sat out to buy tickets for their favourite artist? I, I, I could never imagine doing that. But they really do support their favourite artists and they do crazy things in order to show that support. And there's those who love nature. And you find them out, you know, they say they get recharged just by being in a natural environment, just by looking at beautiful waterfalls, wonderful sunsets, phosphorus on the water and the beaches. All these types of things. There's those who love food and really appreciate that. They can name all the top restaurants around the place. There's these really elite people who love coffee. And it goes on. Actors, movies, cinematography, historical figures. All of these things with individual people have this attitude of worship. It's what God created us for. He seriously did. But we misdirect it when it's those things are the primary focus. And those things bring spontaneous joy to our friends. You imagine if someone said, you know, you knew someone was a mad Broncos fan. I know lots of mad Broncos fans. And you just happen to walk up to them and said, hey, I've got season final tickets for you if the Broncos ever get into a final again. And you hand them those tickets, they will go nuts. They will go berserk. They'll just be so overjoyed that you've done that. And there's this excitement and enthusiasm because this is what they're passionate about. They can't contain it. And those around them are often caught up in that enthusiasm too. Have you ever seen those people who are sitting in stadiums and the person beside them are going nuts and slowly that person close to them starts changing because, I mean, it's a knock-on effect. You just can't help it. And when it comes to us as Christians, what is it that we delight in doing? What is it that drives us nuts? It's true that the human race loves praising and worshipping that which they adore. Worship is the ultimate expression of joy. And the thing is, do we really enjoy church? Do we enjoy gathering with God's people and praising God in whatever forms together? If worship is the ultimate expression of joy, it should. Our joy and delight should be in God and all he has done for us. And we should not be complete in that joy and delight unless we express it in worship, until we express it in worship. So when it comes to our context in gathering as a people of God, what does our worship look like? And there's a few things we're going to look at. What, do, what does worship look like when we sing? Hopefully not too much like what we saw in that video. Have you ever been in a situation when you've been singing praises to God and everyone's so totally into it? You know, they're, they're really connected. Some have got these incredible voices, but there's this guy behind you who's got a terrible voice. But you know what? He's engaged with it as well. He is just singing his heart out. And there's just something that moves within you and you just don't want to leave that spot. I recently, with Dan Tevers, um, 
Oh, gee, actually it wasn't recently, was it? It was about six months ago. We were on the Sunshine Coast with a whole heap of young adults and um, youth leaders. And uh, we stayed in this uh, apartment. Fortunately, we had the whole floor to ourselves because we gathered in this room and we just decided to sing some songs of praise to God. And it was 99.9% men. We had one young lady. And, you know, when guys get together, generally, it doesn't sound real flash. But I tell you what, we'd had some incredible encounters with God as part of those meetings. And when we sang, we sang our hearts out. And I've got to tell you, I think the floor was shaking. It was an incredible experience. I didn't want to leave it. I wanted to stay right in that spot for as long as I possibly could. And it's this reckless abandonment in honoring and glorifying God. And I was praising God the way I wanted to. I didn't care what everyone else was doing. They were praising God the way they wanted to. And there was this freedom of Holy Spirit moving amongst us. And we were engaged with God. And like I say, I I just didn't want to leave that spot. Our hearts were so stirred. We, We seemed to be lifted from everything that was going on around us. The stuff in our Home churches, the stuff at home, the stuff in our communities, good and bad. It just seemed to fade away. And we were found in this place, in the very presence of God. We seem to be closer to him in a way that makes you not want to leave. You want that mountaintop experience. Has anyone experienced that? Just that engagement with God and it's like, oh, if only this was the constant if only this was the normal and you know what we can do that when we think about passages like Ephesians 5 19 addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart the NIV I believe would say with all your heart And that's what it's referring to here. We end up ministering to each other because of how we sing. We end up ministering to each other because of how we engage with God. It's no longer words on a page. It's coming from deep within us, from our very hearts. And we want to engage. And when you do that, you just seem so close to God. Have you stood beside a person like that? A person who engages with God in the midst of others not engaging. And you know, sometimes you you draw back, but this person is so engaged. There's so much joy, so much love, so much freedom written all over their face. You're like, I want what they've got. I want to have what they're experiencing. I want to know what it is that makes it so different for them. And you're drawn along with them. Is that what we want here? Do we want to engage with God like that? I've got to tell you, I do. I so want that. You know, if we as a people of God decided we're going to come into this place, we're not going to care about what's going on around us, but we're going to engage with God. You and me, God. I'm just going to praise you with all my heart. We'd change lives. There's this fella in one of my churches a long, long, long time ago. He had a terrible voice. He, he couldn't string two notes together. Like, I mean, seriously, this guy, this guy was so bad and he knew it. We used to have him sing in our talent quest every year. 
He was just a comedy act because he was really that bad. But he was willing to do it for us. And this guy sang every Sunday at the top of his voice. And you might think that that's off-putting and discouraging and things like that. But the reason he sang was because he loved God. You know what? Do you think he sounded good to God? You bet he did. Because he was worshipping and honouring God with the only voice that he had. Do you think you have to be able to sing in key? No. You just need to decide to engage with God. And when you decide to do that, who cares what others think? Seriously. You know, when we come to God too, there's people who have different ways of honouring and glorifying God while they sing. There's people who raise their hands. Do you find that offensive? Once upon a time, I was in another denomination and it was suggested we could lower the fans to stop it happening. I think they were half serious too. But if people were to kneel in this place as they sang glory to God, would that offend you? If people were found just sobbing before God because they encountered Holy Spirit that much, would that encourage you? Are we willing to allow people the freedom and the space to honour God, and to glorify Him the way that they feel they can? You see, when we come to church, we have this choice where we can decide to engage with God. And if we do decide to do that, it has an effect on those around us. And it's true that our primary focus has to be on God. It must be on God. It can't be on those around us. But the things we do in the middle of our praise and worship have an effect on those around us. And if we're engaging with God and they're not particularly having a good week, it may just be that we can draw them along because we just want to spend time with God. They're caught up in the goodness of God because it's written on your face. How great he is. How worthy of praise he is. Because they can see us truly worshipping God and honouring him for his greatness, his power and his goodness in our lives. You know what? These songs we sing here, I don't particularly like. In fact, there's some of them I think are pretty terrible. It doesn't matter. I don't tell people I want those songs scrapped. They're theologically sound. I can't point out anything that is bad about them. But you know what? If I'm here to praise and honour and glorify God through the way I sing, I'm going to sing those songs with gusto. I'm going to engage with them as much as I do the others. The song might be really bad, but God hasn't changed. He is still worthy of my praise. And that's what you guys have decided to pick for us to sing that night. So my desire should be to praise him anyway. You want to encourage those around you? Lift your voice in song and use it as an expression of your love for God. That's part of the worship, how we engage in song. What about when we listen? We come to this place and the expectation is that we're going to hear God's word proclaimed. And hopefully, whoever is speaking is engaging enough that you don't actually fall asleep, which I've already mentioned. And there'll be something that they say which will engage with you. But just imagine that they're bringing the very word of God to you. Just imagine that what they say is what God wants for you in your life right now. What they're saying is applicable to you and you're engaging to you and you're really trying to soak it up. 
First and foremost, that's awesome that you want to engage with this, you want to learn about it. But how do your actions reflect that you're listening? How do your actions show that you're engaged with the person on stage and you want to hear? If people looked at you, as I can see you, (laughs) would they think that you're engaged with listening to what God is saying from the front? You know what, if you want to help me, I'm pretty okay with you doing anything you want to be quite honest I mean I'm an ex-auctioneer you should see some of the things that people do at auctions so I'm possibly a bit of an exception to the rule you can do whatever you want it's not going to affect me too much but if you want to help the person on stage who's speaking look at them make eye contact with them if they say something you agree with it's okay to nod your head if they ask for a response and I know This is something you're not used to. I do it all the time and I just love the fact that you're struggling with that. But if they ask for a response and you you want to respond, respond. We don't have bouncers to throw people out for being vocal. We do? Oh, okay. It's okay. You know, we are a family. You can respond to what the person's saying on stage. And it helps the person up here a whole lot more if you're engaging with them. You'll note this is my seat. Someone actually came to me and said, me and my family sat in your seat this morning. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? You know why I sit here? Because in my old church, I used to put a lot of people up here on stage to bring God's word who hadn't done it a lot. And I made sure I was sitting in row two so I could encourage them. I could nod. I could give them a thumbs up which no one else could see. I could speak a word that would let them know that I think they're doing the right thing. That's why I sit there, and it's a bad habit, I suppose. I I can't really break it. There was one night, you might have noticed, I sat up the back. I didn't like it. I come back to the front. So, And that's that's a subliminal message, too. That's my seat. Do not sit there, all right? But the thing is, we've got to engage with the people on stage. We've got to let them know. You know, even if they're not doing so well, if you encourage them, maybe they'll start doing a little better. Yeah? Don't fall asleep, please. It's really not good. And you know what? You think putting your phone in your crotch and looking down there is going to make it look like we're not knowing? Seriously, think about that. How long can you look at your crotch before it gets a bit sus? Just saying. Just saying. And we see everything up here. We really see everything. Focus on the person on stage. Engage with them. Make every effort to do so. Take notes, nod, make eye contact, follow along in your own Bibles. Do things that show you're making every effort to engage with what's being said at the front. You know why? It's an act of worship. We're here to hear from God. And trust me, I don't always get it right. Other people standing up here don't always get it right. But we sure are trying. We want to bring you a message that's going to cause life change. We want to bring you a message that's going to cause you to say, you know what, I really want to talk about this more. I really want to know more. I'm going to go home. I'm going to read my word. You know know the things that really encourage me? You guys possibly missed out. We had a couple of morning services here, um, and we ended up with about 40, 50 people responded. We had about 24 come forward to the front. That doesn't happen at SDBC, does it? That was good. I was really encouraged by that. You know what's more encouraging? When they came, those people, some of those people came back to me in the following weeks and said, this is what has happened because I put in place in my life what God convicted me of. 
There are people who have come to the Lord as a result of those people coming forward. There's people who have prayed with family members for the first time because they came forward. There are people who are proclaiming the gospel in their workplace for the very first time because they came forward. Coming forward is fantastic. I get excited when people come forward. It shows a response. But what happens in the weeks afterwards is what's really exciting. And we should be able to, you know, when people come forward, don't expect the pastors just to be here. You come forward and celebrate with those who come forward. Lay hands on them. Pray with them. Be excited. They're making a statement that they want to change. That's what we need in our church. We need people who are going to step up. We need people who are going to engage. And you being a part of that is an act of worship to God. That's why we're here. We're here to build up the body. Remember how it said that in that passage of scripture that we read. It's what we are called to. When we're engaged, it has an effect. You know, when we're engaged with the person at the front, it has an effect on those around us. You know, have you ever been in one of those church services? And there's been a few, even when I was younger, where I really wanted to hear what the person at the front was saying. When I was about your age, it was very rare for me to want to engage with the person at the front. But the odd occasion when I did... And the person beside me wanted to continue the normal conversations that we used to have in the middle of the messages. And I was like, no, 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 man, I really want to listen to this. You know, if you are focused on the stage, if you are frantically making notes, if you're flicking through your Bible and following what the person on stage is doing, do you think that has an effect on the people beside you? Do you think they're saying, hey, what's going on here? And if they speak to you and you say, hey, Excuse me, can we talk after the service? I, I, this is really speaking to me. I, I want to make as many notes as possible. I, this is really exciting. And then when you finish the service, what do we go, hey, these are the notes that I took? Just so that they're like, wow, you know, this person actually got something out of that. I watched the video, but I didn't see the rest and understand what the rest was about. But we have this opportunity to help them engage as well. And just think about that. If you're looking up towards the front and you're yawning every 30 seconds and um, doing a few other things that uh, indicate that perhaps there's other things on your mind, those around you are going to be like, well, what are they waiting for? You know, seriously, what's going to happen in 30 seconds? So it's important we make the decision that when we come here, we're going to listen. We want to engage. We want to hear what God is saying. And trust me, sometimes I muddy the waters with the way I say it. God can say it much clearer, but he uses me. And so the waters are muddied. You're going to have to listen real carefully, okay? The fourth thing is we worship when we love our church. If we went around and asked each one of you if you love the church, what do you think the response would be? I think our Christian upbringing, the fact that we're in this place and you know what the pastor wants you to say, you're going to say, of course I love the church. Yeah, I think we would. And we have these Christian cliches, these Christian answers that we all love to give. But the thing is, do our actions reflect that we love the church? When we love our church, we want people to see that we are part of a loving community. And this is most evident in how we treat the new people that come into our place. Yeah? Now, this isn't about the welcoming team. I think the welcoming team at SDBC do an incredible job. I am really, really appreciative of the work that those guys do and always greeted with a friendly smile at the door and they always seem to know the new people and they get their newcomers pack and things like that. 
But if that's the only welcome that people receive when they come into this place, do you think they are going to stay? Do you think they're going to say, this mob is so friendly that I'm going to call this home? When you see someone new, you should make them feel welcome. And I, w I had the privilege when I, I started at Cannon Hill. Cannon Hill was a congregation that had an average age above 65, congregation of 12 when I started. And so we're at grassroots level there. It can't get any worse, to be quite honest. And these poor old dears would welcome young families that came in. But guess what? They were, we're the only family. We're not staying. And that, that's just how churches die. And there was nothing wrong with these guys. They, they were lovely people. And so when I started, we had a few of the young adults come with us. And, and we were able to turn that around. But we decided on the type of church we wanted. And this is what you need to do now. What type of church do you want? Do you want to be a welcoming church? Because if you want to be a welcoming church, guess who has to do it? The pastors can stand up the back and shake everyone's hand as they walk out. But if that is the only handshake they get, guess what? It's a total waste of time because those people will not stay. They want to be part of a family and the pastors, they're a very small part. And you know what's really interesting about pastors? We do something like that and we welcome people, we speak to them and people think they're only doing that because they're the pastor. They're paid to do it. I've actually had people say that to me. This is your job. I don't want you to do it. I want other people to do it. Why don't they step up? So Ken and Hill, we said, this is what we want. We want our people to be welcoming. We want the old to speak to the young and vice versa. We don't want any age differentiation. We want to create a family where everyone is welcome. And you know what? They do it. And you walk into that church and you'll have all sorts of people greet you. Can I encourage you? When there's a new person that walks in, greet them, say hello. Guess their age in your head. Introduce them to someone in that age demographic. And let's face it, there are people that you're not going to get on with. So you're going to have this person introduced to you. You start talking to them. Ask them what they do for a living. Ask them what they like doing for hobbies and things like that. Just have a little bit of a chat to them. You'll very quickly establish some of the things about them that will trigger something in your mind. And you go, you know what? Tamara's into that. Let's introduce her to Tamara. And you'll bring her across and you say, hey, blah, 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 blah. And guess what, Tamara? Sue just loves blah, blah, blah. And suddenly you've created a conversation between two people who wouldn't know what to say. And you link people like that. It is dead easy. Maybe I get it easier than others because I've been a salesman all my life and it was important to know things, how to link with people and stuff like that. But trust me, it is not that hard. We need to get to know each other. We need to know what it is in our lives that is important to us so that we can make those links. And if you just keep introducing someone to a group of people, they go, how was Sunday? Man, would you believe it? I met like 20 different people. It was incredible. And we were talking about all these things that I really like. I'm going to go back. And we had people come back. We had that type of thing happen. You know what else shows that you love the church? We had this fella in uh, our church in Bundaberg, the Baptist church in Bundaberg, long, long time ago when the church was alongside the railway line. And um, he was just one of these guys who came along. Everyone loved him. Beautiful guy. And, and we didn't really know what he did in the church until he was hospitalized unexpectedly. And he was in hospital for a lengthy period of time. 
And after a couple of weeks, there was this putrid smell right through the church. And we were like, what is this stench? What is going on? And we suddenly realized that all the bins were full to overflowing. And we were like, how could this possibly happen? We've never had this problem before. We found out what that guy in hospital did. He'd been doing it for decades. When you love the church, you're going to step up and you're going to do what's needed. You know, when you walk in to the church and you see rubbish laying on the ground, do you pick it up? We say we love the people of God. How do we represent that? How do we show that? If you see someone who is rostered on the morning tea roster or supper roster and they're on their own and they're flustered, do you just walk in and help them? That's love. That's showing that you care for those people. You want to support them. When you see a need in a spot, do you race around trying to find someone else to fill it or do you just jump in that gap there and then? You know, we are called to serve each other. And we show that. We show that we love each other when we're willing to step up. Sometimes you do things that you don't want to do. When I started at Cannon Hill, like I say, everyone was above 65. Man, we took out... I don't know, it must have been close to five or six tonne of stuff in the end. We had three tonne on the first day. We got rid of just rubbish that was around the place that was stored in each and every corner. We cleaned that place up. It was absolutely brilliant. And all the old dears, they just breathed this huge sigh of relief and said, oh, thank you, Lord. We no longer have to do the things that we used to do. And they stopped everything. So we had no one to clean the buildings, the toilets, or anything like that. So Elena and I did them for six months and we didn't tell anyone we just did it needed to be done and we we just had such a heart and a passion for these people that we wanted to do it and then someone found out that we were cleaning the toilets man they went nuts they thought it was disgraceful that the pastor was cleaning the toilets I don't know why I clean the toilet at home it's what you have to do if you don't it gets pretty bad and the thing is as a result of that happening, all these people got on the cleaning roster. We ended up with about four or five different groups who got involved in the cleaning. You know, when you walk in and there's stuff on the ground, you just go and grab the vacuum cleaner and clean it up. It's not a big deal. You don't need to look for someone who's allocated. If you love this place, if you want to serve each other, you just do it. That's what we're called to do. In a family situation, I'm sure the mums and dads here would say it'd be great if the kids didn't leave the dishes on the sink. It'd be great if they'd clean up after themselves. That's what we're called to do. We're a family here. Let's be cleaning up after ourselves. Have you experienced those people in church who get really grumpy because some need or expectation that they have for the church has not been met? You know the people I'm talking about? Don't be that person. Just don't do it. If you see something and you believe it should be attended to, take the necessary steps to make it happen. If God's laid it on your heart, guess what? You're possibly the most suitable person for the task. Step up and do it. If it's too warm one Sunday... Don't sit in your seat, screwing your head around to see who's going to turn the fans on. 
get up. The switches are just over there. Ask someone if it's okay to turn the fans on. You don't need to make a big deal of it. Just be willing to serve your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. All of these things that we've spoken about are about making everyone's experience here as pleasurable as possible. Is that what we want when we come to worship God? Do we want people comfortable so they can engage with God and also engage with each other? Do we want to make this a family where we can trust each other, knowing that each of us has the other's back? Every little bit has a significant impact on those around us. What we do in service to others speaks volumes to the outside community. You know, when Jesus says, the world will know that you're my disciples by how you love each other. It's true. So many organisations, so many places spend all their time snapping at each other's heels. We're not to be like that. Make a resolution today to change that. Don't allow anyone to speak down about a brother or sister who comes to this place. In fact, a brother or sister that goes to any place. Just don't allow it. Don't let them talk to you. And let's be about building each other up, strengthening each other in the faith. And let's be about coming here to encounter God. If someone is down, how good would it be if they knew they could come to you before the service and ask for prayer and you could encourage and strengthen them at that time and then have them sit with you. Engage with them in honouring and glorifying God because you've been able to pray together. I'm going to have the worship team back up just as I close in prayer. Guys, if you want prayer, I say it all the time, come down the front, more than happy to pray for you. If God has said something to you this evening, it would be a miracle, I know, but uh, come down, let's talk about it. I'd love to pray for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your presence with us this evening. Thank you. Lord, you've made us to worship. You've made us to honour you. 